Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Amber Sitko. By profession, Amber has been a computer consultant with Microsoft for over 16 years and holds an MBA from Wayne State University. By passion, she founded All About Animals Rescue in 2005. The organization has gone from primarily adopting out animals from over 300 a year to opening up a full-time spay-neuter clinic in 2008. The operational budget has grown from $80,000 annually to currently over $3 million, reaching more than 70,000 cats and dogs each year with care. Amber transitioned the board from a working board to a strategic board and established collaborative relationships with local communities, governments, and rescues in the interest of furthering animal welfare. She has successfully obtained grants to the tune of over $1 million and developed fundraising and strategic plans for the organization. She has also created a pet food pantry, Spay Michigan, a statewide toll-free hotline modeled after Spay USA, and a TNR program that is the first of its kind in Michigan. Amber, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stacy. So how did you get started in animal welfare? I was volunteering at a large um, animal shelter, and I basically got suckered in with the mom and baby kittens. Um, and I started fostering and, and doing Pet Finder. We started up Pet Finder there to help animals get adopted, and I kind of got addicted at that point. And then I went over to a smaller rescue after 9-11. Um, I had been really focusing on my career until then, and then 9-11 happened. And I had to relook at everything, and I thought volunteering needed to become a much bigger part of my life. So while I was with the other rescue, we ended up forming our own rescue, which is, seems to be kind of common. We were very focused on fostering and adoptions, and I realized we couldn't adopt our way out of the problem. So then 2008, we had the opportunity to start the clinic, um, the spay-neuter clinic, because I knew that was the only way that we were really going to make any kind of impact. And from there, it's just been like a crazy freight train. <laughs> it's been very, very, very busy, but also very impactful. What convinced you that spay neuter was going to help get you out of that never-ending situation of too many cats coming into the shelter? Well, when I was fostering, I, one year I fostered over 40 dogs and cats myself. And there was a core group of people, five of us, and they were, we we're all doing large volumes of foster pets. And um, everybody I met, no matter what we did, still had you know a long line of pet, pets waiting to get in. And we started doing like small clinics, you know, 50, 60 cats. And, you know, I was looking at one cat and I thought, wow, if we spay one cat for whatever it is, 40, 50, $80, I just 
prevented 5, 10, 20, whatever it is, um, number of cats. But if I foster that cat, a lot of times it costs me several hundreds of dollars. So it just made so much sense when I could see, you know, 50 bucks could stop all these kittens or spend, you know, 500 or more just to foster one cat. So just economically, my background's business, um, you know, I have my MBA and it just made perfect sense. So that then took you into the process of thinking about doing a higher volume spay neuter clinic. It sounds like in that time frame, organizationally, there were probably a lot of growing pains and I would say growing strengths that went on in that process. Can you touch upon some of the highlights of the growth of that organization going from, you know, $80,000 a year to up to $3 million? So we, the board, our board has always been um, very good, no matter what the turnover. Um, when we started, we had a working board so every you know everybody did everything right we were all hands-on we all were very focused on the mission and very practical and realistic about it and then um, everybody has lives and we kind of faded out and we uh, transitioned to the strategic board they don't have a lot of hands-on but they're they give strategic direction so they've been and they've really supportive so that part's been easy um, pretty easy for us our challenge has been staff so that's it's always interesting you know just human resource management and things like that that's that's really where um, we've had the most problems and opportunities I should say but and now right after you know since we started in 2008 with the spay neuter clinic we're in the best place that we've ever been I think we finally kind of got it after much trials and tribulations were there any specific resources that helped you in being able to understand some of those HR needs that you had at your clinic? Well, there was a couple. There's or many, I should say, but some of the most influential were, you know, the Spay U Spay Michigan and we would have these conferences and we'd get together and we would meet different um, people in different areas of the country, like yourself, Stacy. And it would be really interesting knowing we had all the same challenges and you know, learning from people, you know, like Elaine and Mississippi and you know, it was just really enlightening and um, you know, gave me a big boost to, you know, hear these things. And and then um, the other one would be Humane Alliance. They were hugely helpful in um, training our staff, you know, giving direction of how to deal with people. ASPCA, we started a mobile unit. They also help, you know, operationally and some direction on HR. And then I have to mention CSNP in uh, Grand Rapids here in Michigan. Their staff was amazing and still are to this day at helping, you know, us get through issues and talk through them and develop. So, yeah, it's there's been a lot of support. So you mentioned um, Spay, Michigan. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is? So Spay, Michigan is, well, it started as a toll-free hotline where we refer people, they'd call in from across the state of Michigan, and we could refer them to low-cost spay neuter resources in their area, hopefully. The problem here in Michigan, and I'm sure a lot of states are like this, is, you know, we have huge big black holes. Um, So over the years, it's evolved into either spay neuter clinics have opened up in those black hole areas or we've ended up sending transports and mobiles to those areas. So we don't completely cover the state of Michigan, but we've got most of those black hole plugged now. So that was, you know, 
it, it's interesting how it's evolved. So now it's still, I mean, we still have it. Um, and then we also have a website that people can go to to find it. A lot of times we end up referring people to us, though, <laughs> just because we're the only ones there. Well, and I mean, the uh, having the hotline and having the program in place brings those black holes forward so that then you do realize you need to do something. I, I found that with Spay Mass, that it was really a great way to make sure that we didn't like forget about those black holes or not pay attention to them. It kind of always brought those forward because we would have requests for assistance and that would be a data point that we knew we weren't able to service. Therefore, we needed to try and figure out something to be able to cover that area. Absolutely. You had mentioned a spay, neuter, and return program that you have going on with the county right now. Can you tell me a little bit about that? And is it a new program? It's uh, been around for a year, year and a half now. Um, I'm really excited about it. It's um, the Shelter Neuter Return Program. We had gone to one of the conferences, I believe it was HSUS, and they talked about, you know, why are we taking healthy cats to the shelter and putting them to sleep. It took me a while to sink in, it took a couple days, but once I got it, it made so much sense. So basically what happens now is we partnered with the county and we gave them free spay neuter and we returned the cats. So we, we funded it all ourselves and we man it all ourselves just because we wanted to make it as easy as possible for the county to say yes. We have a really progressive um, shelter director that had just gotten into place and he was really open to it. So uh, what we do is anytime a cat is taken to the county, either by animal control officers or by somebody, they identify where the cat came from. And if the cat's in good condition, meaning it's, you know, well fed, that means somebody's feeding it, you know, it's being taken care of. And maybe it's just a lost cat, but we take them to the shelter, we pick them up, we take them back to our spay clinic, and then we return them directly back to where they were found at. And you said that's been happening for the last year and a half? Yes, yes. So, you know, basically no healthy cats have to be euthanized at the shelter now, um, which frees up shelter space, at least for us. And I think this nationally, this is pretty true. Only about 2% of cats actually ever return to their home once they get into the shelter. They're never found, you know, for various reasons. A lot of these times, these cats were just walking around the neighborhood and somebody just picks them up. Now they at least have a chance to be, you know, go back home home, you know, find their owners. Right. Some people refer to it, I returned to field and it was very successful in Louisville, Kentucky. And then there are other places around the country. It should be just a standard practice, I think, at this point in time going across the country. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, and we have uh, one of our largest cities in the state. They, uh, they're also just the other day they informed us that they were going to start doing the same program. So I think once you know somebody accepts it, everybody's like, oh, okay, and then they you know start to open their eyes. Before that, it was um, it was like 100% closed door, never wouldn't even discuss it. You know, so to come that in two years, I mean that's amazing. Now, you mentioned funding and fundraising. How much fundraising does your clinic have to do? We, um, so we're a spay neuter clinic. And for us, and it seems to be true for a lot of them, it's very difficult to fundraise for spay neuter. It's not sexy. It's not super cute and cuddly. <laughs> we have somebody dedicated to doing that, and that's her full-time job. But we our primary, and, and we get a decent amount of money from it, but in no way near funds what we need to do. So the way we do it is we, we do it through wellness and dentals, um, vaccine clinics and things like that. 
So you have some other programs that will help support those gaps in your budget. They're life-saving. There's no way we could continue on without them because I've always thought this, and I think it's truer than ever now, uh, we are not going to raise money to fund all these programs through grants, at least on a large scale, and certainly not forever. So, you know, it's we really need to be thinking ahead, and it's our responsibility to do that and figure out how to raise that money one way or the other. It's probably different for everybody, but for us, you know, wellness, and we're starting to do even some sick care so we can raise some money that way. But, you know, for us, it's really important that we have enough traps in the clinic because we don't want anybody ever to come to the clinic and say, we don't have a trap for you. Um, And we hold classes once a month that we teach people and we give them a discount if they go to the class and we, you know, they get a book and everybody should walk out of that class with a trap if they need it. So we purchased several hundred traps over the years and we've gotten, we're getting better at, tracking them and trying to get them back, which is always a challenge. But, you know, I I really do challenge every shelter or senior clinic. You need to have traps on hand for people. You ha- they have to have those. That's a critical component of this. In one of our previous episodes, we had Karen Little from Louisville, Kentucky on, and um, she manages a really large trap bank, and she's had very successful return rates. So she might be somebody to to check in with. She feels that she gets, I think maybe over the last five or six years, she's lost maybe two traps. So she's been really, really successful in that. But agreed, having accessibility to a trap is very, very important. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Flashlight tag was fun when you were a kid, but no one wants to play hide-and-seek with their trap. Find your trap's location quickly and safely, even when you visit it at night, with the Reveal Wild application for Samsung Galaxy, HTC One, Sony, Xperia, and other Android phones. Or go to tinyurl.com forward slash Reveal Wild. So you've talked about a couple of trends where the counties are coming on board with shelter new to return. Are there any other uh, trends going on in Michigan? Do the groups in Michigan like get together annually for anything or, um, you know, Detroit obviously has had a lot of hard, hard times. Uh, Anything that you want to share about what's going on with uh, community cats in Michigan? Yeah, so we have a, there's a, there are a couple conferences, one's coming up in September that we're speaking at actually about the TNR program. There's a few other ones that are held in the state. I specifically know about the September one, but that's, you know, exciting because we can get the word out. I think everybody's kind of coming along to the TNR, it's starting since so many people are doing it, starting to become accepted. We are looking at Flint. I don't know if you've heard about the water crisis in Flint. Uh, so that's one of our biggest transports, um, and we also send the mobile unit up quite a bit. So we get a lot of our cats and dogs to spay neuter from there. So we are actually looking at opening up a spay neuter clinic there, hopefully by the beginning of next year to handle that demand. So we're pretty excited about that. That's wonderful. Did you have a mobile clinic or was it just a transport vehicle for transport to the stationary clinic? Well, we have a stationary, then we purchased a mobile, and now we have three transport vans. So we have a wide variety of everything. We take feral cats on the transports and obviously at the clinic, but the mobile, we try not to do ferals because there's not a lot of room, at least not on ours. And then at the clinic, we have a, a policy that anybody can bring in cats 
that are in traps any day, Monday through Thursday from 8 to 10 a.m. with no appointment needed. So that way we're flexible and people can just bring them when they get them and we'll we'll keep them overnight, an extra night if we need to, things like that. And that's been, that's been going game buster. Some days we end up with 40 ferals that were never on our schedule. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so but the staffs, you know, they're troopers. They just, they'll go through them. Sometimes they'll hold them, but very, very rarely they'll, they'll usually just stay late and get everybody done. Wow. That's great. Coming from the uh, trapper side, I'm sure trappers love that opportunity. Oh, yeah, and we do. Uh, the other thing, you know, which I thought was a fabulous ideal, so we do at our clinic, is we have a small room that has a key card or an access code to from the outside. So if we have regular trappers, we give them that code or the key card, and then they can bring the cats in like Sunday night, let's say if they're trapping, leave them there, all the supplies are in the room, get them comfortable, and then we come in the morning and, and get them out of the room and take them into surgery. So that way your your feral cat trappers aren't, you know, bound by your hours. They have a little bit of flexibility. And they're not, you know, holding them in their bathroom or in their basement. And I, I know that's also a challenge because a lot of people live in apartments and that are trapping and they don't have a good holding place for their ferals. So that's really a, a great community benefit. So that's excellent. You had mentioned a bit about, you know, understanding or being involved on the national side of things with United Spay Alliance, and that has helped you from a networking standpoint? There's something really wonderful and inspiring to see people all across the country, especially when you're in a state. You know, when we first started, we were the first low-cost, high-quality spay-neuter clinic in the state of Michigan, and we were just this little ragtag group for really no money. We started with $20,000 in the bank and, you know, a hope and a prayer. You know, it was, it's just inspiring and wonderful to see all these people and then great ideals. You know, we just started uh, doing an annual fundraiser and I was not real, I wasn't really into having an annual fundraiser, like a black tie gala affair. I didn't think they were worthwhile, but, you know, we talked to Elaine in Mississippi and she's like, well, I raised, you know, X number of dollars. I said, well, I can't ignore that. So um, we had ours and we raised after expenses and everything. The first year, I think we got $30,000, you know, things like that. How do you, how do you get that in any other way, but by just networking and talking to people, you know, I mean, it's been invaluable. So if you were to look down the road, the next five or 10 years, what do you think life will be like for community cats? I think at least in my rescue lifetime. So that's been, you know, about like 15 years. It's done a 180 right from killing all the cats and you know that was the mindset right it's now we're we're into you know let's return them even if we don't know the caretaker let's put them back where they were because we assume there is a caretaker there you know it's gone so quickly already i think in the next five 10 years that at least in Michigan, I think a lot of majority of it, at least the urban centers are going to be looking at SNR, accepting SNR. And I think it's just going to be a normal thing. So I think it's exciting because I think a lot more cats are going to, you know, live and have good lives. Amber, if people were interested in finding out more about your group or Spay Michigan or reaching out to find you with any questions, how would they do that? You can go to, um, it's a little long, but it's all about animals rescued 
rescue.org. So all about animals with an S, rescue.org. Um, that's our website, or you can go to Spain, Michigan, which is a little easier, spainmichigan.org. And then if you email that email clinic at allaboutanimalsrescue.org, I actually answer all the emails. So <laughs> so you, you still have your hands in the game a little bit. I do. It, it allows me to know what's going on and because I can't be at the clinic since I have a full-time job. So it, it allows me to keep my, you know, my finger on the pulse of things and know what's going on and spot problems early. So I enjoy it. Amber, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, I just like to encourage everybody to, you know, check out the SNR, have an open mind to it, the shelter new to return, and be patient with your government officials. And then just do whatever you can to make it as easy as possible for them to implement the program or consider it. You know, I think I think it's going to be happening soon. So definitely you know, have your facts and figures and things like that in order. Amber, I want to just thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And it's been great getting to know you over the years. And I hope you'll consider being on the show again in the future. Yeah, thank you, Stacey. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for listening to the Community Cats podcast. If you could go to iTunes and review the show, we'd really appreciate it. When you do, take a screenshot of your review, go to communitycatspodcast.com forward slash review and enter your information and we'll send you a t-shirt. While you're there, don't forget to check out all the ways you can support the content you're passionate about. Thanks, everyone. (coughs) 